truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And happy Monday. I'm Steve Dace. We are live and on demand on The Blaze. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. Keep it handy. We are going to open up the phone lines coming up in hour two of the show. We're going to have a little thought experiment uh, here today. One, I want to get your reaction to a couple of questions I'm going to ask you. And then I want to know how a culture at war with itself, struggling with basic definitions, uh, basic terms, basic values that all the previous generations that, that preserved this greatest civilization in human history for us just accepted as givens, we are now debating. And these two questions get right to the heart of some of those debates. So how would people you know that are skeptical of these traditions, how would they answer these questions? We're going to get into that and more coming up in hour two, 888-900-3393. Until then, you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E for those of you listening today on Blaze Radio or the podcast. You can like us on Facebook, but you need to like us there a lot like a whole lot, and maybe one of them will actually count because we're shadow banned. And you can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Coming up later in this hour, we'll continue our weekly book study on my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. But we begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by hitting the eject button. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen is stepping down from her post. Her tenure as DHS Secretary was rocky, to say the least, and it ends as an uptick in illegal aliens crossing the border has left Border Patrol almost helpless. Trump announced Kevin McAllenon, the current U.S. Customs and Border Protection Commissioner, will be the acting DHS Secretary. The Des Moines Register asked Bernie Sanders recently at an Iowa campaign event whether felons should be able to vote. He said, quote, I think that is absolutely the direction we should go, end quote. Speaking of people who should be felons, Cook County, Illinois prosecutor Kim Fox says critics of how she handled the Jussie Smollett case are racists. And the efforts that I've had on criminal justice reform that were once celebrated by many in this county that are now being attacked because of one case and one celebrity, I think we have to ask ourselves, what is this really about? I've been asking myself for the last two weeks, what is this really about? And as someone who has lived in this city, who came up from the projects of this city to serve as the first African-American woman in this role, it is disheartening to me. There are people watching what we're doing in Cook County around criminal justice reform, and yet, and yet. So I will tell you that this is personal, So, yes, the black police chief criticizing the black prosecutor for how she handled a black suspect is racist. That that totally checks out. In completely unrelated news, former President Barack Obama said this at an event for his foundation recently. One of the things I do worry about sometimes uh, among progressives in the United States, maybe it's true here as well, um, is a certain kind of rigidity. Where we say, ah, I'm sorry, this is how it's going to be. And then we start sometimes creating what's called a uh, circular firing squad. Where 
You start shooting at your allies. Are you serious? He also had this to say about social media. That was once considered to be uh, the, the network that would provide us greater understanding now suddenly appears to be a tool that is used to spread disinformation and hatred and suspicion. If you like your Twitter, you can keep your Twitter. Stacey Abrams talked about the Georgia heartbeat bill over the weekend. I think Georgia has to realize that while we are enjoying an extraordinary boom in the film industry, there is nothing that says it has to stay here. And we have to be a state that is not only friendly to business, we've got to be friendly to the women who work in these businesses. You should not have to worry about your ability to control your bodily autonomy because of the governor has pushed such an abominable and evil bill that is so restrictive. It's not only bad for morality and our humanity, it's bad for business. Yeah. It's bad for business. Banning abortion is bad for business. Remember, a gaffe is what happens when a politician opens his or her mouth and the truth comes out. Apparently, abortion was the topic du jour over the weekend because presidential wannabe Pete Buttigieg from Indiana had this to say about the practice. Do you support the late-term uh, abortion legislation that was passed in the New York State Legislature uh, as well as in Virginia? I don't think we need more restrictions, right? You know, that message might fly in the 15% of counties Hillary Clinton won in 2016, but let's see how that plays out in flyover country. And finally, Austin Fletcher, a.k.a. Fleckus Talks, went to West Hollywood over the weekend and got liberals there to defend MS-13 because orange man bad. Did you hear him call MS-13 animals? Yes, I did. What did you think about that? I think he's a pig. <laughs> An animal. I mean, you know, you smell your own, I guess. Maybe not all people in that group are animals? No, they're not animals at all. They're human beings just like all of us. I think he's a pig. What can you say about this guy? He's the animal. Would you agree that not all MS-13 members are animals? Absolutely. Cool. And then um, it kind of, yeah, exactly. It's just like a negative, always negative in the news, always negative in the, the news. The guys that are running, running around gangbanging, killing people, they're animals. You know, but the, the rest of the gang, it's a big gang. You can watch the full video on YouTube, and you really should. And that's what happened while we were away. It's a big gang. Want to go back to the weekend, boss? <laughs> Do you struggle to get started each day? Uh, I'm going to pop a few of those right here. Got In some. fact, yeah. I'm not even kidding. Um, I'm a big fan of this product. I may actually be using it during this next commercial break in real time, as a matter of fact. Uh, it's from the team of top physicians uh, at our fr from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, they are responsible for Aaron's montage today, and uh, we want to recommend their groundbreaking new formula called From Dawn to Dusk. It provides clean energy, focus, and improved mood for up to 10 hours without any jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, and no sugar. Don't. Hey, a gas station, you know, is where you get energy for your car. Don't go there to get energy for you, all right? Go to your manufacturer, 
uh, to get energy for you. That's uh, nature and your creator. And that's where the team at uh, Brickhouse Nutrition comes in. From dawn to dusk, with dawn to dusk, there's no need to be anxious when that coffee mug is empty. And you can give this a try now. Uh, for visiting BrickhouseSteve.com, you can get a bottle of this groundbreaking formula for 15% off of your first order if you use promo code Steve. Again, BrickhouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. Check it out. 15% off your first order of dawn to dusk. Uh, a couple of things here. The 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 Kirsten Nielsen news, we're going to discuss that today uh, on the Blaze TV roundtable. We'll get into her dismissal, resignation, depending on who you talk to, but it is long overdue. And her hiring and the job she did, is, it really is another reinforcement of, of the fallacy of mainline Republican Partyism. You know, uh, she gets accosted by the open borders crowd no matter how many times she tries to bend over backwards, yep. no matter how many times she tries to say, I'm not like people like that Chris Kobach guy. I'm not like him. I'm enlightened. Uh, nope. You're a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic bigot. All right. So if anybody at the White House is watching right now, hire the best person for prosecuting the president's immigration rhetoric into action, period. Because any accommodation, Javanka, but daddy, tries to get you to make. We, I think they'll like us more if you put it. No, they won't. If we put it. No, 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 they won't. No. They're all racists. Remind Javanka, hey, aren't you guys, the? aren't you, didn't you convert to Judaism to marry this guy and you're an anti-Semite? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Just, just hire the best person for prosecuting your rhetoric into policy you can. Because they're going to get called all the same names, no matter who it is anyway. So you might as well just go for it. You know what I'm saying? We'll get into that today on the Blaze Media Roundtable. The the Bernie Sanders thing, I, I get, can, you know what, Stacey Abrams, I'm growing tired of her act. She's kind of a, you know, in a way, I've, she, I, I'm, I'm with her where I'm at with Ocasio-Cortez. I just have to, con, I have to continue to acknowledge her on some level because she's actually in office. Stacey Abrams is a construct, Okay. This isn't real. And so I'm, I'm, I've kind of grown weary of her. You know, I mean, win something. I, I, you know, you're a blogger. I, I don't care. Okay. But Bernie Sanders, and it, it's fascinating to watch our, our culture devolve to the point that one of its two major political parties is now willing to openly admit, and Stacey Abrams did this too earlier, by the way, they're willing to openly admit that their prospects are improved by allowing illegal aliens and criminals to vote. I, I, I find that fascinating. Because what they're saying is that the views they're promoting so, so closely align with these two groups that it is to the benefit of their political party that illegal aliens and criminals have more access to voting. I, in a way, I almost feel like the only thing for me to do with this show is just to, is just to sell out. Because all the stuff I warned you for years they were really all about, they're just being so honest about now. I just, I, I kind of feel like, you know, 
They already played Freebird, guys. What am I going to do out here on the stage? I mean, I, you guys want an acoustic? I could strip it down for you if you want. <laughs> I mean, do you want free? I mean, right? I mean, what, what's left for me to tell you? You know what? I know what I can tell you. And I've avoided telling you this for weeks. Still the year of no BS? Absolutely. All right. You may have noticed that I have not really commented at all. Maybe zero would be going too far. So how about extreme, extremely sparingly? How's that? On one particular Democratic presidential candidate who is all the rage at the moment. And I have said nary a word about him. I just found out 10 minutes ago in Aaron's montage how to pronounce his name. There's a reason for this. And it's not an oversight. You need to know it's intentional. Because all of the Democratic presidential candidates, except for maybe Joe Biden, are, are social constructs. And this is on purpose. This is the point of intersectionality. Everything is a social construct. So if they all seem to be playing to a type, it's on purpose. That's the point. And, and what makes Biden's campaign border on self-parody, if we haven't already crossed this line, is he comes from a different era. The old political game. Grease the right palms, hug the right people, kiss the right babies, kiss the right rings, outlast everybody else. We're not, we're not doing that here anymore. And so what, what is laughable about his candidacy is his attempt to play a game that is two generations ahead of where he is at. But if all these candidates are social constructs, not all social constructs are created equally. And they all don't even come from the same source. Some social constructs are not meant to provoke a reaction from the base they're campaigning for. How do I put this as honestly as I can? And we survive long enough to see our 500th episode tomorrow. How do I do this? Some social constructs are created not to necessarily provoke a positive response from the base they're advocating for, but in order to prompt a negative response from the base of people they're campaigning against. Like Hamas firing missiles into Israel, something like that. Something like that. Get Israel to overreact. And then they can pull out a charred body and say, here's another, here's another Palestinian baby the Israelis killed. I want to show you a tweet I saw right before we went on the air today from my buddy Todd Starnes, one of the few people at Fox News that will actually speak to me. All right, so he posted this, literally you can see the timestamp, before we went, 15 minutes before we went on the air. It says, gay leftist mayor attacks Christian conservatives. Christian conservatives respond in the mainstream media narrative, Christian conservatives attack gay mayor. 
Yes. See, the point of Mr. And it's Buttigieg. That's how it's pronounced. I want to make sure I get it right. Buttigieg. Because uh, I want to respect him also. as a, he's, he's a veteran from what I understand, correct? I've not actually heard that. I, yeah, I believe he's a military veteran, I believe. Um, the point of Buttigieg's candidacy is that chain of events. It is here for this. Let me give you a, an example from my past campaign work. Uh, and I think I've told this story before, but I think it bears re, re, resetting for this conversation. Um, there was a high-level strategy call in the Ted Cruz presidential campaign, December of 2015, I think it was. So about uh, two months before the early December, so almost two months before the Iowa caucuses. And I was invited on this call. And the, and, and the debate on this call was the Jeb Bush people had come to us with some oppo research on Marco Rubio. And it was Marco Rubio had in his past support of cap and trade and global warming, socialist, you know, environmentalist uh, economic schemes. And Jeb's candidacy had been run into the ground by Trump at this point. So him coming out and attacking Rubio, it, it, it would have no impact because Jeb was damaged goods. Jeb needed, needed a campaign um, that could do that for him, help resurrect him at, at Marco Rubio's expense. Why would we consider this at the Ted Cruz campaign? Because um, you would consider that if in this case you believe my, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, so to speak. And what was going on at this time is we were kind of in the tail end of the whole debate where the Rubio people were trying to pin, on, pin it on Ted Cruz that he was for amnesty too. And I was one of the, I think I might've been the last person to speak in the initial volley of opinions on this call. And, and I said, I don't care how good the information is. I don't care how accurate it is. I don't believe this is a smart move. And the reason I don't believe it's a smart move is every time the immigration issue is discussed, Marco Rubio loses. It doesn't matter what the opinion is. It doesn't matter if the opinion he is giving right now is good. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yes, The Rock. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Because every time the issue of immigration is addressed in the context of Marco Rubio, what will go into the mind's eye of the vast majority of people whose votes we're going to need here in Iowa in two months is Marco Rubio on a stage with Chuck Schumer, John McCain, Lindsey Gramnesty, and the Gang of Eight. Okay? So, I, to me, if, the, if, if you're telling me my options are, as, as, as your advisor, you're telling me your options are, uh, what advice would you have us take? We get attacked by Rubio on immigration or we attack him on cap and trade. Uh, I said, uh, let him attack us on immigration. We win. We win the debate just by having it. It's just a matter of how much the win is. We can only take away from our win. He cannot win this debate. And then a month later, we had a similar call about the whole natural born citizen thing. I said the exact same thing then. Every time we have this debate, we lose. So come up with one really good line from Ted to put it to bed once and for all and then never try to address it ever again. Because there's a certain conspiratorial bent that Trump appeals to that they just are looking for sinister things and motives. We got to get out of that realm. We can't win that argument. Even if we're right, 
you know, by this by this definition of what natural born citizen means from our founding fathers, Millard Fillmore was the first damn president of the United States. It's a ridiculous premise. And I know this, I'm going to say this knowing four of you are typing your emails right now that will all be 29 damn paragraphs to educate me on why I'm wrong, which will only prove my point. Not a good debate for us. Get on any other topic, get off this one. Don't sit here and debate natural born citizen because if the majority of the people that we need to vote on Iowa caucus night go in there debating with each other who's a natural born citizen, we're going to lose. Just like if they go in there thinking about immigration, Marco Rubio is going to lose. Okay? Sometimes it's not even about whether people side with you on a particular debate. Sometimes it's about the internal debate they're having when they're deciding which side they're on. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mr. Buttigieg's campaign is not a campaign. It's not a campaign. It's a troll. It's a troll. You've pointed out, Aaron, that you know our buddy Bob Vanderplas is at the Final Four with his sons today, so we won't have him this week. And he does this with his family. Him and his sons do this every year. It's a family tradition. And and you point out at all of their family leader events before they take a lunch break. What does Bob always say? Uh, there's a lot of media here, so don't be that guy. Meaning, don't don't run off crazy. Don't come up. Don't don't. Um, don't walk up to uh, you know the uh, the Washington Post reporter. Uh, and say, do you believe that this is the terminal generation? If you would be raptured, they're they're looking for you. Do you? Uh, they're looking. They they don't want any serious dialogue of the intersection of the Christian faith and this culture. They're just looking for constructs. Don't don't give the fire oxygen, because if you don't give the fire oxygen, they're going to have to write about something else in the room instead. They got to come out of here with a story. Now, they have the story they want to write. Or you can make them write the story you prefer. But to do that, you have to deny them the story that they really want. Am I making sense so far? Sure. The point of Mr. Buttigieg's campaign, the whole point of this campaign, is to make Christians look bad. That's the whole point of it. He's not a serious candidate. You're not going to go from mayor of a city to the nominee, presidential nominee of the country, guys. Not even in the Democratic Party. It's not going to happen, guys. Okay? This isn't serious. This is a troll. All of the progressive Christian hackeries, um, uh, well, you know, I, I, I can't take in a position because he claims to be a progressive Christian. I, I, I can't take a position on, on abortion. Uh, Because I don't want to impose my morality and then turns right around and says, uh, let me take Leviticus totally out of uh, out of uh, context uh, for the alien and sojourner in our land. And that's why we need to have open borders. And uh, let me take Acts 2 out of context where they shared everything in kind. And that's uh, why we need redistribution of wealth. He's perfectly fine imposing his view of morality on you when it's his view of morality. Okay, this is this is this this is not serious. It's not intellectually serious. If we got him on this show, I'd make him eat his shorts in three seconds. And it's not that I'm smarter than him. It's that all of his answers are dumb. Okay? He can't uphold his own standard. He wants to criticize the president's sexual sin when the only reason we know about him as a candidate is he lives in 
the same standard that condemns President Trump's previous sexual sin, says Mr. Buttigieg lives, oh, Mr. Buttigieg, I'm sorry, lives openly in what? Same source. None of this is for real. It's a troll. And it is being promoted in order to make, at a time that this culture probably needs it more than ever in its history right now. It is being, it is here to make Christianity look bad. To put the final nail in Christianity's coffin in the American culture. They want to brand you a bunch of hypocritical, tribalistic haters. They want to use him to help you desalt yourself. They're looking to do it. When you walk into the zoo and you walk into the dangerous exhibits, there's a sign there. You guys know what it says? Don't feed the animals. Don't feed the animals. Don't. And this is where we got to make a decision. I would say this to my buddy Todd Starnes. You need to make a decision too, brother. I love you to death. I love Todd. But, you know, people in you and I's line of work have to make a decision. What's more important to us? The clicks? Because these, these, the clicks, admit, responding to Mr. Buttigieg, those clicks are going to come at a high cost. And the cost is feeding the animals. It's an unwinnable argument. And the only way to win the game is not to play. That doesn't mean when you are presented with, with, with the challenges to the faith, the hackery of the faith, that Mr. Buttigieg is, agreeing, is, is, is engaging on a daily basis, you know, we always have a ready defense for the hope that we have. But you're not, you're, not engage, you're not defending Christianity here. You're attacking Mr. Buttigieg. That's the game. Okay? That is the game here. This is not an evangelistic moment, guys. This is Pontius Pilate waving his arm at you. What is truth? I want, I want, I want the political conclusion I desire. Give it to me. And when Jesus went to King Herod's court, he was silent. Why? That's what this is. This isn't a cultural moment. This is Herod's court. They want to show. They want to be affirmed. Hell no, literally. I'm not playing. And I won't play. If I'm wrong and they stand there on their at their convention in 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 Milwaukee in a couple of years and or next year and they hand him the nomination, we'll play it then. But it won't for me, no, no, because this they're not serious about him. They're serious about you. Your thoughts, gentlemen. I don't uh, disagree at all. I think. At the end of that, it only came to me in the last couple of minutes, which is why I paused. It, and when you said it's about you, it's it, it this is this couldn't po- possibly happen within the confines of a healthy church. We th- such a trolling uh, would not in any way bait us. Uh, it would it would instantly reflect so poorly on the troller. Uh, and they would be quickly marginalized. Uh, so he's 
he simultaneously, because of the way this culture is, can, can, like Steve said, have no shot at winning, but play as big a role as almost anyone on the left, at least within the, you know, there's what, how many people are in this scrum now on the Democratic side? He can have a huge role on narrowing the focus of the party and helping to decide how they're going to play us. I mean, he is a canary in the cold mine. They're sending him out there behind enemy lines almost to do recon uh, and seeing they're going to do polling on all this stuff. Uh, so ultimately, instead of constantly pointing at the darkness, we need to be better at lighting our candles. If we know who we are, if we know what we stand for, and we will fight relentlessly to it, Matthew 28, to the ends of the earth, he has no standing. The fact that he does, the fact that Steve had to say what he said in the way that he said it means, once again, we are an edifice all too often built on sand. If we reduce our faith to a partisan means to an end, which already, Aaron, we may have already done, but if but responding to him in the way we're being provoked to will confirm it to the culture, and then the culture will say to us, you really don't have the deep answers right. that we need. So you're, you're just another political group of hacks, and we'll turn our backs on you too. That's the point of this, I believe. Yeah, that's exactly right, and I don't have any time right now. Sorry. I did kind of just set you up there. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. I'll let, like you, I'll, I'll let you respond to that when we come back. Stay tuned. You know, we've reached that time of year when most of our New Year's resolutions have failed by now, and now the weather's getting warmer. We're really starting to regret that. And you're thinking to yourself, why didn't I stick with it in February and March when I knew better? Well, maybe you did. And you still didn't get the results that you wanted. And it could just simply be because as we get older, our metabolisms ain't what they used to be. That's where Riduzone comes in. Uh, it's only got four ingredients if you turn over the bottle. And one of them's rice. All right. So this is not a stimulant, not loaded with chemicals, any of that nature. Uh, this is an all-natural metabolic uh, stoker. Regulator, its main substance is called OEA. It's the main ingredient you find in olive oil, something our bodies produce all of our lives. It's just as we get older, it produces a lot less. And this is something that both will get that metabolism, crank it into a different gear for you, but then also helps to teach, the, say to the body, hey, I'm full, I can stop eating now. So, I mean, you can go drink, a, you know, if you want to really kick your metabolism up, you can drink a bottle of olive oil a day. That's a little intense. Or just one capsule of Riduzone will give you the same results. And right now you can get uh, 30% off a three month supply. If you use my name as a promo code, Steve, that's my name uh, at riduzone.com, riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, riduzone.com, promo code, Steve. So Aaron, I was totally unfair to you because I lost track of time. It's fine. And right as I threw it to you, Ron said 30 seconds. But the reason why I wanted you to speak last on this is, is because your generation is the audience for yeah. Mr. Buttigieg's troll. The, there's been a great div divide, generational dividing line over Trump within the white within the evangelical church, and millennials have largely looked at their parents and grandparents and said, "You're voting for a guy that is literally the embodiment of everything you told me in high school I wasn't allowed to do." 
All right. And you told me if I did this in college, I'd have to repent. And now you're telling me if I if I don't as an as, as an adult in my first one or two presidential elections ever, if I don't vote for him, all of the civilization that our faith established is going down the drain. If I don't vote for somebody, that's the embodiment of everything you raised me not to be. And so there's been this large generation. It's clearly, though, young people don't understand the world is more complicated than that. But the point is, that's that I'm not I'm not advocating for their view. I'm simply saying that is their view, and I'm giving you the play-by-play of this generational, this generational rift. And the point of Mr. Buttigieg is to, is, is to cement to that millennial generation that Christianity offers this culture nothing other than another partisan, tribalistic hackery, and that the next emerging generation of adults, Aaron's, should once and for all kick the dust off their sandals and toss it onto the ash heap of Western civilization and history because it has no answers. It has no depth. It has no credibility. It has no substance. It can't do anything for you other than it's just another lobbying group. That's the point of this. Yeah, and unfortunately, even in so-called uh, Christian millennial circles, I mean, that is, I, I was just reading and, and listening to some uh, follow-up on that uh, North University of Northwestern St. Paul, which is my alma mater story. Um, it, essentially, uh, they were, if you remember that story where they uh, in, it, they disinvited Star Parker from speaking on campus. Um, Essentially, everything the administration said uh, was basically a, a big cover-up and basically a lie about this this entire thing uh, in listening to some follow-ups from the people who tried to have her on campus in the first place. That's my uh, alma mater and something that close to home. Um, the, the school that used to be the, um, you know, uh, one of the premier missionary prep schools in the Midwest is now just one of my buddies was there the other day, said the first thing he saw when he got out on campus is a Black Lives Matter sign yep. um, in one of the in one of the guys. If this is a school, if this is happening to a school like Northwestern and, and again, there are exceptions to the rules. If this is if this type of stuff is happening to a school like that, a Christian a bunch of Christian millennials. What What is the culture at large thinking, saying, doing? Again, we bring up this example of Ali Stuckey, who does, who's been kind of on the warpath recently about the Christian suburban uh, voter, who is just more more than happy. It seems like in mass to accept anything so long as it's basically a whitewashed tomb. Let's no BS. As as long as it's a whitewashed tomb. Most Christian evangelicals in the suburbs, well, yes, we just want something that looks pretty and nice and says things that make me feel good and happy and can be respectable. That's that's basically what we want. And so long as you fit that bill, doesn't matter um, doesn't matter the picadellos that you have uh, that you have hidden successfully. We will we'll, we'll be okay with you. We'll adopt you. That's basically where Christianity is right now. And so even though that's an unfair argument that you just articulated from my generation, Steve, even though it's an unfair argument because the world is more complicated than that, it is actually accurate because most of Christianity is just that. It's either we like, we we either will uh, vote for the R no matter what, or it's we want a whitewashed tomb. That's basically what Christianity, at least as it's been portrayed mm-hmm. over the last couple of decades, that's basically the only thing that it presents. And it's because of that that, again, Pete Buttigieg is just like the missiles that, that Hamas fires over into Israel. Um, it's just so happens that, you know, we don't have an Iron Dome that's just like, 
doesn't exist and we're not going to talk about it anymore. That's what we need. Just an iron dome. Final thought on this. It, you're not, this isn't a fight. I'm not telling you to run from a fight. This isn't a fight. This is a baiting. Okay. As the great prophet Admiral Akbar once said, it's a trap. There's not a fight happening here. When the time comes, unleash the hounds. This isn't the fight. This is, this is an attempt to emasculate you and have the salt lose its flavor in advance of when the actual fight comes. That's what this is. This is a red herring. The very definition of it. Don't take the bait. Let's continue the study of my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, available everywhere. Kamala Harris's books are sold, apparently. Or you can just go to Amazon.com and pick up your copy right now. Endorsed by Ben Shapiro, Glenn Beck, Mark Levin, Matt Walsh, Dan Bongino, and several people that uh, everybody watching right now likes more than me. That's why I need their, needed their endorsements. And we've been looking at a chapter each week here in the book. And this week, we're going to look at chapter seven. The Lie. Principles matter most when evaluating our candidates, but here's the truth bomb. A candidate's motivations and passions matter even more than their stated or professed principles. Todd. Well, late in this chapter, you went on to elaborate elaborate on that and put that another way after talking about two specific politicians uh, that have disappointed you, one from our our state, Senator uh, Joni Ernst. And you said... Are they running to do something or be somebody? If you end up finishing this book, you will have read thousands upon thousands of words, but those nine words I just typed in italics are among the most important I'll write. A little earlier, you said um, you didn't learn until it was too late that before I grilled uh, people like this on the issues, I needed to discern something even more important. And, and that's what you just said. That, that's the truth bomb. Here's the thing. When we were friends before I'm on the show, listening to you a long time, I don't remember exactly what year this was, but there were like six guys running uh, 20, 2010. for Congress. Brad Zahn was one of them. I can't remember any of the names. And these are names nobody in nobody our audience knows. will know. Okay. Uh, but you brought them in at that time, mm-hmm. and you discussed worldview mm-hmm. in depth. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be a subtlety there about... Your understanding of what you're talking about now in this chapter is a truth bomb. And were you not digging hard enough, deep enough? Did you not quite get the question back then? Because you seem to be indicating that you know something now that you didn't know then, even though you were doing something that most people weren't doing at all, discussing worldview. What happened in the last eight years? What, What has been added to the mix for you? When you hear me on our show tell our audience, when I try to remind you that people are people and not algorithms. Okay. Um, I had to learn this lesson first. See, I thought if the worldview formula matched up, then the math would work at the end. And that is a ama- and and that doesn't mean worldview isn't important. It is the prime directive of this show every day is worldview. It is the prime directive. But what did I say? Did I say it's the it's the only ad- directive or did I say it was the prime directive? Prime. Prime. As a, as an evangelical, do I do I believe in solo scriptura or sola scriptura? Which one is it? Because they're two totally different things. That one extra let, that one letter difference at the end means quite a bit. Okay, do I mean that 
the that the primary source of truth in in this universe are the scriptures, or do I mean that the only? Can I learn how to do open heart surgery from the Bible? Nope, I can't. Can I learn taxonomical classifications of animal phylums from the Bible? Nope. Can you learn how to engineer this show from studying the scriptures, Aaron? Uh, not that I know. No, I know. no, no. Can you even do theology without expanding beyond the plain reading? I mean, you. That's what theology is. It's sure. applying reason. It's a hermit. Yeah, yes. I'm, 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 I'm doing a hermeneutical analysis yes. of what I believe this means. Yes. It's just a matter of whether my hermeneutical analysis Correct. is solid or not. Right? Of yeah. Course. You're exactly right. Yes. All right. So, um, I had to learn this too, and I learned it the hard way in helping to get a lot of people elected. And then, man, I and when and you heard me grilling these people. I mean, I grilled them, and they knew the answers, and they knew, and and the people I supported anyway knew the answers. But then, what would happen is they would get in there, and they would face the Leviathan, the the peer pressure, the identity politic of it, because there's identity politics on the right too. It's just not driven by the same impetus. A lot of the identity politics on the right is driven by. Uh, I represent a particular faction within the Republican Party that I want to reign supreme or something even more basic than this that is that you can it's easy to be sympathetic to, which is why it's easy to fall prey to this idea that everybody's against us. The media is constantly against us. They, they misquote everything we say. They're, they attack us no matter what we do, every accommodation we make. And, and so what happens is there becomes this bunker mentality. We hang together. or We hang separately. And we and we got to you know, you mentioned a name there whose name's not important to most of our audience. I love the man. I've known him for 25 years. He's the only one I could remember okay. off the top of my head. But I, I also had him tell me and people that I worked with, you know, we got to manage the caucus and we can't, you know, we can't hang people out to dry. All right. How do you get there? What's your main motivation? What What is your main motivation? Are you running to do things or to be somebody? And you know what? That's that's likely not truly going to be tested until they actually get in there. And then there are people who are running to do things and 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 they try doing them really hard for a while. And then after a while they recognize I I I got I can't get anything done up here doing that this way. And so I got to be somebody. And then once that happens and they make that Faustian bargain know that the clock is ticking. And it's not a question of if but when you will have to cut bait. You've reached the point of diminishing returns and them as a political stock. That's why I'm a that's why I'm a, a term limits guy. No one gets more principled the longer they're there. No one does. No one, no one. Not even in the scriptures. God let David and Solomon reign for what 40 years. Were they more principled at the beginning or at the end? At the beginning. At the beginning. At the beginning. You're just, this is the only reason I want to run for office to see if I can jump this shark. <laughs> Aren't, weren't the two longest kings in, 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 in of Israel, Uzziah and Manasseh? Weren't they two of the wickedest, the worst? Didn't Manasseh saw, saw, saw Isaiah the prophet in half? And I think if I know my history of Manasseh correctly, and if any Old Testament or Jewish scholars in the audience correct me, I believe Manasseh actually started wicked, went through a period of repentance... And then ended wicked anyway. <laughs> All right? If, I'm, if my memory is, is right. Uh, you always end well. Men always end well. Yeah. Yeah. No one gets more principled. No one. No one does. Okay? 
my my honesty about how I'm how I'm struggling to navigate this environment is one I, I is it's an accountability mechanism. I'm letting you in on this is my self awareness. Yesterday I was you know we're it, you had to do this when you got kids when they reach new stages and our oldest Anna is basically adult living kind of independently with a full time job she's basically done with school graduates in May but she's basically done. So she's not there to kind of be that buffer between Amy and I and her little brother and sister the way she kind of was, where she kind of was the sergeant. She made sure they came correct because she understood what mom and dad expected. So now Amy and I have got to sit down yesterday and have a conversation with Noah and, and Zoe to kind of say, hey, now that you guys are reaching that next stage, here's what the expectation level is. And Zoe, Zoe, when I when I gave them the option now of, of questioning or being critical of what our expectations were, Zoe raised her hand and said this to me. She goes, I, I need to say this now. Because what I'm about to say, mate, you tell me I'm too snotty. And so I want you to know, I, I'm not really trying to be snotty when I say this. It just may sound like it. I applauded her self-awareness. It wasn't necessarily that I needed, that I was trying to get Zoe to stop being snotty. She's a human being. She's not going to be perfect. But I needed, I was trying to draw her to be aware of the fact, are you aware of how the things you are saying are taken and accepted by other people? Are you even aware of this? You may not even be aware. So my, you know, me cutting myself open all the time about this is to make you aware, is to, is to show you and myself, I am aware that I am always just one step away from doing a deep dive headfirst into the abyss. It is extremely difficult if you're a human being to resist the urge to join. We are relational beings in our fabric Created in the image of a God who in and of himself is a relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is a relationship in and of himself in his very essence. Created in his image, we desire that relational connection, the significance from that relational connection, the intimacy, the affirmation more than anything else in this world. Go talk to, I talk to, I talk to a multi-million dollar athlete five days a week in, my, in another show I do. He wants for nothing. And he lives like this Xanadu life. I love Kurt Schilling to death. There have been days he hasn't shown up to do the show and it's just been, I just, I forgot. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm getting this, I'm going, I'm getting this award over here. I've got this golf meeting over. I just, my bad. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I make a nice living. I can't forget though. It's not nice enough that I can just, oh, I forget. I got to show up for work today. Okay. But you know, he materially wants for nothing. You know, he'll tell you he misses. And if he could go back in time, he would do it. The connection, the camaraderie, the the we're in this clubhouse together. It's us down three games to nothing to the Yankees and Mariano Rivera's on the mound in the bottom of the ninth and there's two outs and no teams ever come back from this in a seven-game series and we were the ones that did it. Yes, Today on the show, what did he say to me without me even prompting him? He said he's going back to Fenway tomorrow for what? Ring of honor. Yeah, ring ceremony. That connection, that camaraderie. That's how we are made, guys. We're built for this. And the problem with this system is it knows it though. And it will prey on you. P-R-E-Y. If you don't, if you're not self-aware about this going in. And that's what I had to learn is 
even if their worldview is right on the money, they may not have the temperament that can withstand the pressure that will come upon them. If you need to belong to something, it doesn't mean you're bad. It's human. I need to belong to things. I mean, it's one of the reasons I love my sports team. It's one, I, mean, how, I mean, I'd wear Michigan gear every day into the office, and I do on many of them. Okay, I'm a fanboy. What shirt am I wearing today? I'm representing, you know, for the Justice League today. But if you mix your need to belong with a calling, you cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other or hate one and despise the other, but you cannot serve them both. And if, 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 if your need to join and belong is attached to your work in the political system, you are going to fail. At least at being principled, at least at fulfilling the calling that you got into this for. If it's to assimilate, then muy bien. But if it is to keep that word that you originally gave, you're doomed. Hour two is next. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me. We're going to open up the phone lines here in a few moments. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. We're going to go through a little thought exercise here on the show. But we need that uh, help. We need you to be involved for that to, to hopefully have, it, it, I guess if we don't have a desired outcome as much as um, we hope it's a fascinating one. Uh, we'll tell you what that's all about here in a few minutes. 888-900-3393. Uh, if you are listening to us today on demand on a podcast, if you could leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would greatly appreciate that. Thousands of you have done this already. Thank you. You may be like, well, Steve, I'm I'm not sure if I like your show. In fact, I'm kind of thinking I don't. Well, then, you know, don't lie, you know, but maybe just move along. Uh, but to those of you who do like the show, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, thank you very much. Um, this is literally happening, what I warned you about, in real time. I'll get to that here in just a second. But uh, last year, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office released a grand jury report noting that uh, law enforcement had received a couple of thousand complaints of deed fraud. And the vast majority of them involved a faulty notarization, meaning somebody attempting to forge their way onto the title of a home that isn't theirs. Uh, the problem was so bad, this grand jury report called it an epidemic because criminals are looking, scammers are looking for vulnerable properties. They're scanning the obituaries, pouring through public records. Uh, it can take as little as a forged deed to transfer the ownership of your home. And then once that's done, it's very difficult to reverse. There was a story in Philadelphia this winter about a couple whose home kept getting put up for sale because somebody down south had done this to them. 
Don't let this happen to you, particularly because for the vast majority of Americans, uh, our home will be the most valuable asset, most important investment we'll ever make. You can protect it for just pennies a day with our friends at Home Title Lock. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's mortgage and title. You can go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your home to learn if your title's already been stolen, compromised, targeted. This is called a title scan and report. It's normally $100, but today it is free. For those of you that are listening and watching us today at The Blaze, all you have to do to take advantage of this free offer is go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. So last hour we talked about warning you off of the Pete Buttigieg construct, that this is not a real debate, it's a troll, and that Sometimes the, the social construct of intersectionality doesn't just conjure up a construct in order to affirm or motivate the base it's for. Sometimes it will do so in order to provoke and incite the base it's against. And that is the point of Pete Buttigieg's candidacy. He's not a serious candidate. You're not, you're not going from... Do you think Kamala Harris slept with Willie Brown? so that a good-looking gay dude who's mayor of an Indiana city can outflank her for the presidency, guys? Are you Who's white? Seriously? You think Kamala Harris played the oldest trick in the book, sleeping your way to the top, so that some white dude from Indiana could squeeze her out? Come on, man. <laughs> no, guys. No. no. No, guys, no. no. You think Elizabeth Warren lied about Native American heritage for 20 years in multiple states, in official filings even. So some fair-haired boy from Indiana get out intersectionality here at the end. Some, you guys really watch the left? You pay attention to how they operate over there? There's a reason they're already writing articles. Pete Buttigieg is white. If all he is is gay, does it really matter? Come on, guys. He's not going to be the nominee. The point of this candidacy is to put the final pop culture nail in Christianity's coffin and to say we, we provide nothing other than hatred, bigotry, double standards, hypocrisy. Case in point, as soon as I brought that up last hour, uh, Chris Field, uh, who is one of our uh, senior editors here, uh, at the Blaze, and he's co-host of uh, the Church Boys podcast. Sent me this right on cue, Buttigieg to Pence. If you've got a problem with who I am, your problem is not with me. Your quarrel, sir, is with my Creator. Has Mike Pence even said the name Pete Buttigieg? Not that I'm aware. Uh, do you have a clue what Mike Pence thinks of Pete Buttigieg? No. no. How many people right now do you think in between getting their kids off to school, getting to work, making sure that the bills are paid and wondering, did I put the dog in his room before I left? How many of them do you think really care? Of the 140 million people that are going to vote in November of 2020, how many of them do you think today give a rip what Mike Pence's opinion is of Pete Buttigieg. How many of them? Most of Negative them don't, integers. Not, they don't know who Buttigieg is, and many don't know that Mike Pence is vice president That's either. exactly right. Yeah, this isn't real. 
This isn't a real debate. Okay? This is a red herring to draw you out, to show your ass before the real debate actually begins. So you've disqualified yourself for the race. That's what this is. Don't play along. It's not real. This is this this isn't this, as he's 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 a progressive the fallacy of progressive Christianity trope. Just throwing just throwing uh, cliches and tropes out there with the intent of showing, see, they're just a bunch of partisan hacks. Like we told you all these years, don't listen to them. It's an unwinnable argument because it's not an argument. It's a troll. You can, and you'll bust out with your, well, wait, man, you know, we got Richard Grinnell, prominent ambassador, first openly gay ambassador, and Trump nominated him, so we don't hate gays. Trump's daughter changed her religion to marry a dude, and she's an anti-Semite. She's against the very religion she converted to, and so is Trump. It, none of this matters. None of this is real. None of this is truthful. This isn't substantive. That's why whenever we play the game of what's your what's your favorite uh, intersectionality construct? Remember, remind me again. A uh, Muslim, atheist, vegan, pansexual, lizard person. Yes, when that person stands up and speaks at CPAC in a year or two, maybe they'll keynote the damn thing. Who knows? And only if Allah loves us. Yes. And seven people on Fox News will be on that day to, to say, see, this proves we're not haters. They'll just find a transsexual, vegan, uh, 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 Hindu, atheist, uh, 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 amphibian person to put on MSNBC the, uh, the next day to say, see, those people really are haters. They hate the amphibian phylum. This, this isn't, why, why are we playing this? I watched John Miller from Our Blaze today point out Buttigieg's views are basically Marxist. Yep. And right away, some liberal He's a homophobe. He's a homophobe. See, that's what this is about. The sign up at the zoo. What's it say? Don't feed the animals. Yeah, don't, don't feed the animals. This is, there's no point in having a real engagement here. Because this isn't a real engagement. It's not a debate. It's not a dialogue. And whatever clicks we may generate amongst our own people for responding to this now will have generational consequences later. I promise you. Because that's the point of this. In the end, it's, it's, it's for our generation, Gen X, to be the terminal generation of Christianity's influence in America. By winning, by convincing Aaron's generation, we're all a bunch of hypocrites with no real answers to anything. Who, who, all we are is, uh, is, is, uh, we're we're chess pieces on the on Team GOP's board to move around at their whim, and we'll change, and we'll we'll go along with anything to justify voting for them. We're only in this position with a fake candidate like Buttigieg to begin with, because we've actually done that on too many occasions. Stop. Stop. Just just stop doing it. Just, I, I, I just, hey. 
Aaron's favorite advice is not to drive in a ditch, right? Yeah. Stay out of a ditch. Yeah. Yep. Hey, can I give you some advice? Put it on a shovel. Put it down. Just drop it right there. Drop it right there. Set it down. Now. Walk away. So just don't keep digging until yeah, you come out. Set it down. Yeah. In China. Yeah, just, just turn around. Walk away. So don't say anything. Yeah. That makes sense. Anybody want to push back on me on this? Think I'm wrong? I, I may be. What do you think? But we're supposed to have a, an opinion, hot take about like literally everything, Steve. I, I, I'm wait, I was wondering if you're going to, Steve, you do understand the line of work you're in, right? <laughs> and, and the answer to that is some days no. Uh, um, I think there's one disclaimer, and I think you alluded to it earlier. There's like, a, that's true like nine times out of 10. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. there's the one time where the principle at stake or the moment that is created to seek advantage of to claim high ground is there. You have got to be wise as serpents in this. It, most of it is the show nine times out of 10. One time out of 10 is um, hell no. Yes. And you're going to rip um, slit throats. Right. When they come to you at the temple with these same with the same tropes and the same cliches. Swing away. Because you're in front, the re, you know, we're in, we're in Holy Week, almost there anyway, okay? So let me be directly biblical here. The re, where Jesus is the most confrontational, the most provocative, the most in your face, typically, is when he is engaging the scoffers and skeptics in a temple setting. Why? Because who's watching? The intended audience. The intended audience is watching. Because, and this is why the angriest we see him is when they turn uh, the portico of the, of the temple into a market. All right? Because for the most part, if you went, through, if you went to the temple, you were there because you took this seriously on some level, on some level. So this is the place. This is why we're here. This is the, this is the okay corral. This is the, these are the theological beaches of Normandy. We came here for this. Let's do it. As, as Apollo Creed says to Rocky Balboa at the end of Rocky three, ding, ding. That's why we're here. We're here for this showdown. That's why I'm here. Why are you at Herod's palace? What are you there for? A really bad joke. Yep. You know, for all the opposite things. Pete Buttigieg's candidacy is Herod's palace. It's not serious. The people around him that are promoting him, they aren't serious about anything other than pulling your pants down. They're not serious. And so this is a one-way engagement. You can't win. There's only collateral damage. Because there's no one to be convinced otherwise. No one is here. They're like, you think the people in Herod's palace are like, hey, do a miracle. Think they'd never heard about any of Jesus' miracles? Think they never saw any of them? Think they he just 
performed all these miracles in plain sight for three and a half years, shows up at the shows up at Herod Antipas's home or at his palace one day in March. And they're like, hey, this is the guy we heard so much about. We've been meaning to get out there and find out what this whole hullabaloo was for. Let's see, guys. His cousin was literally standing out in the street calling these people whores every day. They knew dang well who he was. So when they said, show us a sign, this wasn't, we're here to, we're, we're, we're seeking. This was, I put a coin in the machine. Do a little dance. Get down tonight. That's what this was. It's an organ grinder and his monkey. Yes. That's what they wanted. Yeah. And that's, what the, that's what's going on here. This is being done to pull your pants down. Don't take the bait. Nothing of substance is happening here. What is happening here is an attempt to disqualify us as a segment of this culture for when the real substance goes down. We're no longer taken seriously in that debate. We've disqualified ourselves. That's what this is about. Sons of Issachar, men who understood the times and what to do about them, have discernment. Don't respond to the world's cattle calls. Herod is beneath, beneath you. Not worthy of breaking a sweat over. Now, when Caiaphas calls you in and says, are you the one? Now that's when stuff gets real. That's when it's going down. That's when you're like, well, not only am I the one, let me drop this on you. And you will see the son of man descending on the clouds of heaven. Meaning, I yeah, that would be me. And I'm going to be back here judging all y'all. How you like them apples? Bam. What? That's when we go. That's not here. Not here. No. This is, this is less than nothing. This is the devil literally is just opening up a cheek and squeezing one out and wants to see if you'll tell him it smells good. Nope. Don't do it. Have I made this point abundantly clear by now? I think that's my favorite follow-up question I've ever asked you. (laughs) Bam. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look forward to my Christmas bonus and all of you. Enjoy. Now the question comes when we sign off. Did I answer, did I talk about this candidacy as honestly as I could in a way that doesn't get us all fired before we hit episode 500 as a milestone? I think we're gainfully employed for at least another week. At least another week. All right. Through Holy Week. I'll give it two weeks. The good news of being shadow banned on Facebook is like no one's going to find out about this. Yeah. (laughs) Who? Wait a minute. He's still working here? We gave him a stapler like six months ago (laughs) and put him in the basement. Stapler. That's... That'll preach. Stap- that, that, yeah. Yeah. We are the yeah, stapler well. guy show. Nice. 888-900-3393 is the number. I, don't, I want to open up the phone lines now. We're going to have a little thought exercise. Okay. And how do we, and, and let me tell you my motivation for wanting to have it, wanting to have these questions discussed. We're, when you're living in an increasingly secularized era, I have no problem 
I, I, well, let me put it, let me dial it back a step. I think it's a false choice between do I walk around quoting the scriptures directly all the time or do I use common sense to make points to a people who are ignorant of, of the power and origin of these scriptures or, or maybe even hostile to it? Yes is the answer. And you see Paul at the Areopagus says, the, you know, the one true living God is tired of your nonsense. And he sent his son into the world to once and for all make himself known. So don't trifle with him anymore. But at the same time, so there's a direct invocation, right? But at the same time, he mentions, you know, he references the tomb they had to an unknown God because they had all, or altar, I'm sorry, to an unknown God because they had all these recognitions in this polytheistic society. He quotes the poet Virgil to them, all right? So it's a false choice of an either or. The answer is yes. Okay. So how do we pose questions to a culture that's at war with itself? And what I mean by at war with itself, I see, I think there's a lot of people. You've heard me say this in the show before that I don't believe most of America is conservative. I don't, but I don't believe it's communist either. I believe most of it's up for grabs is what I believe. And it's sitting in the jury box right now, waiting to see who's going to make the most compelling case before it goes back and deliberates. That's what I think. And so what I'm looking for is provocative questions that force that, that, that up for grabs segment of the culture. See, I think, and I think that's your, that's your silent majority. You've heard me say the silent majority doesn't exist. It doesn't exist as we've known it all of our lives. Like, you know, there isn't any more. A couple of catchphrases, you throw it out there and the pews and the pulpits uh, empty out and we shock everybody on election day. We just did that in 2016 and pulled that off by winning the three decisive states by a total of 78,000 votes. That's the hair of your chinny chin chin. You're not doing that again. You're only going to win from henceforth by growing your existing support, not by rallying the silent majority. But I think there is a silent majority. It's just a new one. And it's the people that are sitting in that jury box over there that are like, you know, I really don't want the government to control my life on everything, but I'm not sure it's right for me to impose my morality on someone else or, you know, can I have evolution and, and God made me too? You know, they're trying to they're trying to navigate all these things. So are there ways that we can provocatively frame points and questions that cut to the quick? That just get let's get beyond all of this out here and let's get right down to brass tacks, what this is really about. And I thought I saw an excellent example of this. From Mark Hemingway. This is Molly Hemingway's uh, husband, uh, Molly Hemingway from the Federalist and Fox News. He asked two questions on Twitter last week. Number one, if there was a daycare with all male staff, would you entrust your children? And number two, you move to a town where the police and fire departments are all female. Do you feel safe? I want to pose these questions to you in the audience. How would you answer them? And then how do you think if you've got friends, family members that are in the in that jury box 
they're up for grabs. And you find it interesting because you watch the way they live their lives. They pay their bills. They have their kids or they make their kids accountable. They don't put up with them being lazy. And yet they seem prone and drawn to political messages that actually go against the way they live their lives at the same time. You guys know anybody like that? That's most of America that I just described, guys. Okay. And so how do we cut through the nonsense and the political correctness and just put it right to them? Like about a month ago, somebody went and found Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's mom and asked her what she thought about, uh, what was it, socialism? And, or, or what Campus Reform did last week where they asked all those college kids, hey, why don't you just share your grades with the people who haven't worked as hard as you have for them? Well, I guess I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought, I hadn't really thought about it like that. So I think these questions are kind of like that. You haven't really thought about it like that. So I'd like to know how would you answer these? Number one, if there was a daycare with all male staff, would you entrust your children to it? And then number two, you move to a town where the police and fire departments are all female. Would you feel safe? How would you answer those questions? But then just as importantly. If you know people in your life who are in that jury box, who are feel, feeling torn between these two impulses in the culture today, you think that'd be an effective way to get them to see beyond a lot of the nonsense that they're falling for in another context? How would they respond to that? Could they argue their way out of those questions effectively? Or would it cause them to say, you know, now that you mention it, I guess I hadn't thought about it before. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You know, restricting free speech is restricting the truth. And the left is crossing that line regularly. We just talked about us being shadow banned uh, on Facebook. Uh, we've told you before about what Twitter did to Jack with uh, the Unplanned Movies official Twitter account. You saw several major uh, media platforms refuse to take their advertising, etc. You know, the left uses their corporate interests to advance their values. Why can't conservatives do the same? And it was with that in mind that Patriot Mobile was created. It's it's a veteran-led company. Really, it's America's only conservative cell phone company. Every phone call you have, every bill fights for your freedom, and any money they spend goes to causes that you support. So you can get the same reliable nationwide coverage, because pretty much every network nowadays has across the country the same kind of network because there's really only four companies that manage and build all the towers nowadays so you can get the same reliable nationwide coverage you already have but now know that your hard-earned money is supporting conservative organizations like prager U, alliance defending freedom and more with plans starting as low as 25 dollars a month why wait? Call them right now. 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Make sure the uh, is in there. 1-800-A-PATRIOT. When you call in, use the code, bl- promo code BLAZE, and they'll waive your activation feed. 1-800-A-PATRIOT, promo code BLAZE to, to waive the activation fee, or just visit patriotmobile.com slash blaze it's right there on the screen. patriotmobile.com slash blaze. They'll do the exact same thing for you as well. So the questions that we are going to pose to you guys when we come back here in a couple of minutes. If if you went to a daycare that had an all-male staff, would you feel comfortable leaving your kids there? 
And would you, if you moved to a town where the police and the fire department were all female, would you feel safe? What do you guys think of those two questions, gentlemen? Yeah, I think um, this is a way, like the life issue and the life question, that cuts to the core of a person's uh, worldview very, very carefully. Except with these two questions, and not saying that this is right or wrong, um, but with these two questions, there's less emotional reaction right off the get-go mm-hmm. as there is with abortion. So I think this is, like you said, an example of how you can cut, cut cut to the quick very, very quickly and cut away some of the emotion from other issues as well because this is just a practical um, a practical um, a practical theoretical, if that's even a thing, question that you can just answer yes or no with your gut instinct. And I think the answers are very telling because I would imagine diet in the wool progressives are going to say uh, no and yes without hesitation uh, because of intersectionality, because mm-hmm. women are inherently better than men. Uh, where I, I assume that others who are not dyed in the wool progressives would take a minute, like we saw in those students in the video that you mentioned last week for campus reform, say, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think I, I would like, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the responses that we'll hear. Todd? Yeah. Well, you, you just, uh, the trick of writing is laid out in what you're talking about in talking about the same themes over and over and over again ultimately if it's not hitting pater before yet these themes are in your closed hand and they're non-negotiables then it's how you communicate the themes that you need to talk about i mean you can't live your whole life saying well i will only reason and think and pontificate in uh king james middle english and the hell with you if you don't know that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Uh, you have to take your closed-hand philosophy and communicate it by just about any means necessary if the truth really matters. You reach, you go to Nineveh. You, you, th- that's what we're talking about here. How do you communicate? And the fact that he's laying out something that's not... The thoughts within there aren't... There's no four-dimensional chest there. There are the themes that we beat on over and over and over again. They were cultural foundations. But the simplicity therein, and ultimately, uh, you know, Jesus Himself, all of all of the Old Testament that's coming down to Him, the laws, the commandments, everything. Who, uh, what are the two main truths? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He winnows it down, mm-hmm. all of it, the essence of creation itself, to the most simple equation possible. And that's what we're all going to have an opportunity to do right here on the nature of man, on the nature of woman, and on the nature of creation itself as well. It's funny, the further we try to run away from the, uh, from the old magic, the more it continues uh, to, to reel us in. We, we end up tripping over our own illogic. You know, there was the study that came out late last year that showed, you know, it was kind of amazing. Men kind of still want to marry a woman they're physically attracted to, and women still want to kind of marry a guy that can provide them financial security. Weird. It's nuts. And then the study we had last week that showed, guess what? Guys who don't have a consenting female living with them uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, end up having less less sex. Who knew? (laughs) Science. (laughs) All right, 888-900-3393. These two questions, we're going to let you tackle them here on The Blaze at 888-900-3393 when we come back. Stay tuned.
888-900-3393, courtesy of Mark Hemingway. Uh, these questions we're asking you now. If there was a daycare with all male staff, would you entrust your children? And then number two, if you move to a town where the police and fire departments are all female, do you feel safe? How would you answer those questions? And how would the people in your life that kind of you kind of view as up for grabs culturally, politically, um, that that are finding themselves torn or tempted by the uh, the progressive uh, the spirit of the age progressive message? How do you think they might answer those questions? Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number. Let's start with Janice in South Bend, Indiana. Janice, welcome to the Blaze. Thanks for the call. What do you think? Good afternoon, Steve. Uh, well, I'm a grandmother, and uh, uh, <laughs> I'm in my mid-70s, and I would not uh, like uh, having an all-male uh, daycare. I would never have taken my children, let alone my grandchildren, to that. Uh, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but that's the way I believe. And uh, as far as an all-female fire department, uh, my, my kids live in a two-story house, and if there was a fire, God forbid, a lot of times you've got a ladder truck that a lot the firemen are helping a lot of times the children and the uh, women out, plus the males, down off the ladder. Yes, female can do it, but sometimes they've got to carry the kids. They've got to carry the woman. Depending on, on the situation, I've seen them carry dogs. I don't know whether... Yeah. I would like an all, I, well, I, I wouldn't like an all-female fire department either. I don't mind having it, uh, you know, both male and female, but no, I, neither one. Uh, <laughs> that, that's me, though. I'm old-fashioned. I so, know Janice, in, in, in general, the second on the second question, you're acknowledging that in general, uh, if you look at it, it's a phys- it's a fact of physiology. Men have more muscle in general than women. They are right. physically stronger in general than women. There's exceptions, but in general, this is true. And therefore, if it was a life or death situation, you would want somebody who physically gives you a better chance at survival, right? That's what you mean on the on the second one. On the first one, you never really explain what is it about an all male daycare that would have made you uncomfortable. Uh, well, there again, I am a believer. And uh, women are nurturers, and even you, you, we're, we. I think we. I, I hate to say it, but I think we uh, kind of look at a child, and sometimes it's it's sometimes they look at you, and they'll be able to tell you like or cry, and you kind of hold them, and sometimes that just the holding would would help. Uh, I've mm-hmm. seen my grandsons or my uh, my my son and with his kids, uh, it's it's different between a male and let's put it this way: God put a, put a male on the earth and a female on the earth for for certain things, and sometimes it just works out that they <laughs> women are nurturers. That's that's like I said, I'm old fashioned, and uh, that's the way I believe. I, I'm not. Can I ask you one more question, Janice? Before we let you go. Thank you if, very much. If you oh. have any of one okay. more thing, are you still? Is, do we still have Janice? Or she's okay. You, any of your grand? If, if you have any of your grandchildren, um, or even children who are kind of buying into the new uh, progressive notions of ethics, virtue, values, etc., how would they answer questions that your generation would have just considered this common sense? How do you think they would answer these two questions? Well, 
Unfortunately, they play with their, they play with all the technology. Uh, uh, one good thing is they they force themselves to have family meal time at least on the weekends, and anymore mm-hmm. it's it's everything is programmed, and the kids today you have to have play dates to get together with the kids. And, yeah, our weather is weird. I live in South Bend, so we get lots of snow. And a lot of times you never see people out uh, from, say, Halloween until now. Today we're, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to get to 70 degrees, finally got rid of the snowpack. But it's a different generation than what I grew up in. Like I said, they've got their phones. And they don't watch TV like you sit down in front of the old boob tube. It's they're mm-hmm. watching on like uh, these. To me, they're big tablets, uh, or they're they're constantly playing with their phones. And unfortunately, I could say the same with my son. I could wring his neck at times. It's like, okay, put the, put the play toys away and sit and talk. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> but there again, I, I'm I'm in my mid seventies. Like I said, I'm seventy five. So. It's, it's, I think, a generation. Um, unfortunately, I think, well, even, even when you go to church, they're still playing with their toys. In other words, in other words, substantive conversations aren't usually in the offing because of the nature of, of, of how, uh, you know, technology is so dominant in our lives. Appreciate the call, Janice. Thanks for tuning in today here on The Blaze. 888-900-3393. That's kind of how I took it. She was kind of saying, I don't even know that they would have even thought deeply enough about this because of the, another, that by the way, to go back to a previous conversation this episode, another reason not to fall for a troll when every conversation is uh, 240 characters or less. Otherwise it didn't happen. That's all. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to uh, Ron here in Iowa. Ron, welcome to the blaze. What say you, Ron? Well, I'll answer the second one first uh, about the police. I served in the military, and then I forgot to tell the the guy that I go to the gym, and there's some women that can really do the job, so I wouldn't blank having a, a female fireman or female police. Now, the first one, kind of iffy, I would probably do it, but in the back of my mind, I think women are more... I mean, more nurturing and stuff. So I think the woman would be the better thing, but I don't think I'd really care that much. Okay. Ron, I go to a pretty well-populated gym uh, here in Des Moines, and there's a lot of women there. How many of them do you think, I'm 45 years old, I weigh about 260 pounds, okay? How many of them at any age, younger or older than me, do you think could bench press more than me? Um, that'd be very limited, probably very few. Yeah. But but yeah. I guess I'm looking more in the military or the police or the fire. They work in teams, so I'm not sh- too sure. I I still have to stick with my. It okay. wouldn't. I wouldn't blink. Okay. I really wouldn't because they okay. get trained well and they work in teams. They don't just. It isn't a one-man show or a one-person show, I guess I should have said. But okay. No, I, I think right. they work in teams, and I think they do a good job. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. 
I think that we need to keep in mind the question. Answer the question as it was answered or as it was posed, okay? The question wasn't, how would you feel uh, if you moved to a town where the police and fire departments have females? That's not the question. The question is, you moved to a town where the police and fire departments are all female. That's the question. They're all female, okay? That's the question, all right? Let's go back to the phone. Let's go to Joe in Idaho. Joe, welcome to the Blaze. How would you tackle those two questions, Joe? Well, they're, they're kind of unfair questions because there's a lot of missing information, and it seems like it's just, it's just uh, set up to expose people's prejudices. But in general, men and women are different. Sorry, it's just kind of the way it is. Um, these kind of arguments are, are exposing our competitive self-righteousness that's out there. Well, you guys call it uh, virtue signaling, I think. I call it competitive mm-hmm. self-righteousness, feigned, feigned mm-hmm. humility. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but the real question, I mean, you could, you could obviously handpick a bunch of women to run a fire you know, department. Uh, that would do a great job. And you could handpick men that would do a great job. But if you're just doing a sweep through the general populace and, you know what I mean, averaging out mm-hmm. those qualities and skills, yeah, in, in general, there's certain you know, uh, uh, definitions that have to be there. There's certain qualifications, there's certain abilities, there's certain uh, skill levels, strength, uh, uh, perceptions, all these kind of things that all factor into this. But this is just, again, like you call it clickbait. Uh, this is yep. just setting up an argument, basically uh, trying to get people to expose themselves uh, and what they believe, what their prejudice is. What's the truth in this? What's, well, that's the point. See, I think I think Mark, with all due respect, Joe, I think Mark was posing these questions in response to as a way of provoking the very kind of clickbaity stuff that is often used to provoke us. In other words, to say, hey, okay, fine, you guys really believe all this, uh, all, all as you described it, uh, you know, all this fake self-righteousness, let's put it to you then, all right? You go to a town and the fire and police departments are all female, do you feel safe? How much of this, that men and women are all the same, that gender is a social construct, that it's fluid, et cetera, how much of this do you really believe, right? Because we're all, we're asked questions like, well, what if your kid came home gay? You know, well, what if your daughter was raped and didn't want, you know, we get all these kind of clickbaity questions. So this is Mark's attempt, I believe, to kind of reverse that premise back on the people that love these sorts of gotcha questions and put it back on them. And that's what I, why I like what I, what I like about it. How do you think, Joe, someone who is torn between these two, these two fulcrums in the culture at the moment, how do you think they would respond to these questions? Well, do you remember, do you ever see the movie 1941 with, with uh, John Bellucci? Um, there was a fight scene. In the, the, it wasn't the, over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. Yes, I do remember. Actually, that was Animal House where okay. that was said, but yes, I remember. Yeah. Okay. Well, you remember the scene where they're in the, they're in the dance and they're being divided up, getting ready to fight. Mm-hmm. Where they're throwing guys, the, the Navy guys are throwing the Army guy. I forgot which way. And they're throwing each other across and there's a line down the middle and then the bell goes ding and they all start fighting. We're in that right now. We're That's exactly right. Yes. And, and it's yep. comedic watching it. The real game is not being talked about. We're talking about stuff. That, we're rearranging deck chairs right now. And we're mm-hmm. letting the other side dictate what we talk about and how we talk about it. And we're going to lose if we don't start 
talking about the real game that's going on. Satan that's is exactly the right. greatest of all deceivers for a reason. And we're all being played. I have a T-shirt that says, are you being played? And it's a question. Because everybody's being played. They're doing the same thing they've done over and over in history. This time it's on a global level. That's all the different. They're using the same techniques, the same divisions, the same. It's love versus pride, the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm developing apologetics to try to reach kids right now because they're not, things aren't being explained to them in a way that they can defend and relate to. I have two seniors in high school right now, twins, and they can defend what they can believe because it's being explained to them in common. Science is caught up to explaining the Bible now. There's more empirical evidence to prove the Bible true than any other subject that you can pick right now, and I can defend that statement. But nobody wants to really The, talk the thing about that you, that you just said that is very true. Sorry. Is that, the, pardon me. The thing that you just said uh, that, that is very true, and thanks for the call, Joe, and it goes to what we pointed out last week. There is indoctrination into a socialist belief system. And then there is just using a using socialist talking points to indoctrinate. And if you watched that campus reform video we had last week, where they asked those students, hey, you put in all the work to be a high-achieving student. Shouldn't you give some of your grades and some of your GPA to the students at the bottom who didn't work as hard? And they instantly recoiled i mean there were like physical reactions like epiphanies eureka hey i never i never thought about it like that you know why because you weren't taught socialism you're not being taught socialism you didn't read das kapital you read somebody else's opinion and, and they took in a couple of takeaways from it which they then are using what you're being taught is status conformity that's what you're being taught That's what you're being taught. You're being taught how to be good little statists, how to be cogs in the machine. You're being assimilated. You're not even really being taught the, the, the depth of the belief system that you're spouting talking points for. You're really just being taught deconstructionism, reductionism. You're being conditioned. You're not even being taught. We're going to be even more basic than that. You're being conditioned. And that's why you're right now, you're being trolled by a guy who wants to go off about what a hypocrite Mike Pence is as a Christian because he's working for a guy who's unrepentant in his sexual sin while he goes home after making these statements he goes home, and what is he? Unrepentant in his sexual sin. This isn't real. This isn't even a real debate. This isn't Christopher Hitchens, you know, debating, um, uh, you know, Douglas Wilson. That's not what. That's not happening. This isn't John of Damascus in the eighth century debating, you know the first generational offspring of Muhammad throughout the, the Bedouin world on is the Quran or Bible true. This isn't any of that. And it's on purpose because if we have those real contests, they might lose. They will lose. And they will. And they know that. So they tried having these real contests. Well, 
let me rephrase that. Actually, can can I can I do something here? Where is it at? Here. Ah, can you, Aaron? Can you re, can you get the get a camera up there on that top shelf? Sure. Any chance? Let me let me let me put a finer point on what this is what what is happening here. Let me make it as specific as possible. See that book there on the right, nefarious plot. See, okay. That guy tried have has had tried having this debate honestly, and you know he loses. So now we're just going to have it dishonestly. And the way we do that is we don't have any substance whatsoever. It's void of substance. If Marx were if Marx and Engels were alive today, they would not be proud of Ocasio Cortez. They'd be embarrassed. She's a hackneyed construct stereotype of their belief system. She's not serious. She's not serious. She's a troll too. This isn't serious. Because it's not serious about a contest of ideas. It's serious about destroying a civilization. That's what it's serious about. That's what it's all about. You're not even being taught the substance of the of the pagan viewpoint. That's why I know more about it than most of them do. Because I've actually studied their views. They haven't been told these things. How many people, how many of your millennials right now, yes, only teach Darwinism in the colleges, anything else is religion. How many of them could even know what Descent of Man is, let alone Reddit? Know what the hell they're talking about. They don't. Because they've been brainwashed. That's why questions like this, I think, are so effective. Hey, if you're thinking of buying or selling a home this year, check out the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. It was started by Glenn Beck and some of his friends a few years ago, tired of real estate agents that talked a good game, but then didn't deliver the results when they were needed to the most. And what separates real estate agents I trust apart from other referral services is those are done in order to help the agent find clients, customers. In this case, real estate agents I trust is about empowering you, the client, the customer, to find an agent that is worthy of you, agents that have been vetted, that have been held accountable, uh, that are transparent about the results that they're getting. That's why they made the cut to be listed among the real estate agents that you can trust. So if you want to buy or sell or buy and sell fast and for the right price, you need to check out this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Final words, gentlemen. Got about a minute. Uh, I I love those two questions. Uh, This reminds me back of uh, when the... uh, Ronda Rousey was all the rage. Uh, and there were men on sports radio all the time talking about Ronda Rousey could beat up mm-hmm. the most men. I, I'm not, I don't know about the skinny jeans wearers, the ones who, who are beta through and through, but any real man, even if they weigh 150 like me, Ron, Ronda Rousey wasn't beating those men up. And, and the fact that you kept lying to yourself like that means you need to be asked questions like this. Yeah, and this is these are the exact type of questions that we will avoid at all costs because you're a bigot, homophobe, uh, misogynistic, uh, again, bigot. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.